RT8K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. Pro-democracy media tycoon Jimmy Lai is back in custody after Hong Kong's top court cancelled his bail. China detects its first imported case of the highly infectious British variant of COVID-19 and President Xi Jinping delivers his New Year address, praising the economy and the fight against the pandemic. The Department of Justice has won a legal challenge over the decision to allow Jimmy Lai to live under house arrest ahead of his trials for an alleged national security offence and fraud. The Court of Final Appeal revoked the media tycoon's bail and remanded him in custody again. Jimmy Sung was at the hearing and has this report. Jimmy Lai was released on bail last week on a $10 million bond, with the High Court Judge Alex Lee ordering him to stay at home, keep off social media and refrain from giving any interviews. The Department of Justice tried, but failed, at the time to get a certificate from the High Court to appeal against the bail decision at the top court, and it took the matter directly to the Court of Final Appeal. After a hearing, Chief Justice Jeffrey Mars said the lower court judge may have erred in his application of the bail provision under the national security law, which states that no bail shall be granted unless the judge has sufficient ground to believe that the suspect would not continue to commit acts endangering national security. But Mr. Mars did not say what mistakes the High Court judge might have made. A hearing on the matter is set on February the 1st, and until then, Mr Lai was ordered to go back to jail as the Chief Justice said it would not be right for him to continue his bail. Prosecutors had earlier told the court that the responsibility to protect national security is of paramount importance, and it's also not right for the High Court judge to set a number of bail conditions to mitigate the risk of reoffending or absconding, saying it's against the legislative intent of the security law. They also said a threshold of granting bail to people accused of breaking the national security law is higher, just as those charged with murder and treason would be, as Hong Kong cannot afford even one occasion for the defendant to abscond or recommit acts that endanger national security. The lawyer for Mr. Lai insisted the lower court judge did have the objective of protecting national security firmly in mind when he dealt with the appeal application. The Apple Daily founder is accused of colluding with foreign powers, an offence under the security law that carries a maximum sentence of life imprisonment. He also faces a fraud charge in relation to the land use of the headquarters of Next Digital in Changquano. The Mainland Centre for Disease Control and Prevention says China has detected its first imported case of the new COVID-19 variant spreading rapidly around Britain was detected in a 23-year-old student returning from the UK. She was tested in Shanghai just over two weeks ago. The centre said the case posed a great potential threat to the prevention and control of COVID-19 in China. And Hong Kong has reported its first case of a new and more contagious South African strain of COVID-19. The patient is a local man who recently visited the country. An infectious diseases expert, Dr Leung Chi Chu, says people here shouldn't be overly concerned. Luckily, uh, we might not have too many people coming back uh, from Africa, South Africa. And uh, this particular case uh, was uh, found uh, on the 12th day while he was under quarantine. Uh, the risk of transmission uh, to the community may be relatively low. I hope that uh, we won't have any uh, uh, outbreak, I think, uh, during in the quarantine hotels. And uh, if there's nothing uh, during that period of quarantine, uh, they may not pose uh, too much uh, risk uh, at the moment. 
Hong Kong reported 68 new coronavirus cases today. 62 were locally transmitted, 18 from an unknown source. One patient lives in Kai Fai House in Wong Tai Sin, where the virus has been found in sewage. Meanwhile, the Centre for Health Protection says it shouldn't have ordered mandatory tests for residents of three buildings yesterday. Here's the Centre's Dr. Chuan Shuk Kwan. Some of the buildings in the uh, units, they have patients who have, for example, admitted in the hospital already during the incubation period. So he has not stayed in the building concerned. And the other one is that the address entrance was the same building, but later the patient admitted that he stayed in a, another place. For this, uh, we apologize for the inconvenience and the confusion caused to the uh, residents in these three buildings, especially in the co President Xi Jinping says China made major progress over the past year in developing the economy and eradicating rural poverty despite the coronavirus pandemic. Speaking in his New Year address, Mr Xi called for increased international cooperation in fighting COVID-19. Between to RTHK, the time is just past five minutes past 11. Hong Kong's sole representative on the National People's Congress Standing Committee has acknowledged that he doesn't know which of his fellow delegates attended the trial or the sentencing hearing of a group of Hong Kongers in Shenzhen. Jimmy Choi has the story. Ten of the 12 Hong Kongers accused of illegally entering mainland waters while reportedly fleeing to Taiwan by speedboat were given prison terms of between seven months and three years by the Yantian District People's Court. And the court claimed that MPC and CPPCC delegates from Hong Kong and Shenzhen and relatives of the defendants were present at the trial on Monday and a sentencing hearing two days later. But the detainees' families said none of them were able to attend due to the short notice given. On an RTHK program, MPC Standing Committee member Tam Yu Chong was asked if any of Hong Kong's 36 MPC deputies attended this week's court proceedings in Shenzhen. Mr. Tam said even though he had asked his fellow delegates about the matter, no one responded. But he insisted that some of his colleagues must have gone to the court hearings. I believe if the court says so, then someone must have attended it, he said. Mr. Tam stressed that mainland authorities had handled the case in accordance with the law, adding that if any of the defendants wanted to appeal, they could do so within 10 days. But former pro-democracy lawmaker Zhu Hoi Dick, who has been assisting the detainees' families, said an appeal is almost a non-starter. Mr. Chu explained that the mainland appointed lawyers for the group have stopped helping the relatives or even answering their calls, as their contracts have ended. Right now, at this point, for those two who uh, got uh, more um, severe punishment, uh, their family have no clue of how to uh, make an appeal for them because um, the lawyers appointed by uh, CCP do not talk to them uh, concerning uh, the process of appeal and they can have uh, no way to get access uh, to their loved ones who are still in the detention camp. So this is another example of uh, their basic rights uh, being deprived. Families of the Hong Kongers have called on mainland authorities to allow them to visit the jailed loved ones. An orthopedist has told an inquest into the death of Chelsea Locke that the university student most probably fell from height by accident last year rather than having been attacked by someone. Vicky Wong has more. On day 24 of the inquest, expert witness James Kong gave the coroner's court his assessment of what happened that night after examining the 22-year-old's medical and post-mortem reports. 
Chow was found lying on the second floor of a car park in Changkwano with serious head injuries in the small hours of November the 4th last year during an anti-government protest in the area. Mr Kong said one could deduce whether Chow had jumped, fallen from height or been thrown to the ground by looking at the horizontal distance between where he was found and the wall next to him on the second floor of the car park. Considering that Chow lay just 1.3 metres away from the wall, the expert witness said it was unlikely that the student had been thrown to the ground by somebody. Mr Kong said Chow's head injuries were more likely the result of a fall rather than a jump, as a jump would be more likely to cause injuries to a person's limbs and spine. The expert concluded that there was a high chance that Chow had fallen from height accidentally after losing his balance and landed on the right side of his head. He added that if the student had pressed his left hand against the wall, jumped over it and lost his footing, that could also have led to the injuries he sustained. The doctor said that there was no evidence to show that Chow had been attacked, adding that there was no DNA from any other person underneath the student's fingernails. A Green Group has urged the government to step up efforts to prevent imports of plastic waste that can't be recycled as new international rules restricting the trade take effect tomorrow. Violet Wong has more. Ray Yang from the Green Earth said Hong Kong has long been a hub for the global plastic trade, importing material from developed countries to be sent to nations in Southeast Asia. He cited a plastic crime report published by Interpol in August as saying that seven containers of low-quality plastic waste Malaysia received in 2019 were sent from Belgium via Hong Kong. But under the impending new Basel Convention rules, exports of contaminated plastic will be banned unless the importing country agrees to accept them. Mr Yang said it's better late than never that Hong Kong has revised its waste control policy accordingly to ensure firms get an official permit before importing or exporting such plastic waste. But he said the authorities still need to keep a close eye on inbound containers, especially those from the United States. That's because the US is responsible for 25% of the plastic waste imports in Hong Kong this year and has not signed the Basel Convention. If we can find out any of these containers full of the illegal plastic waste, it will send an important signal to those developed countries that Hong Kong will not be used as a re-exporting hub for re-exporting those plastic waste to Southeast Asia and other countries. Mr Yang wants that if the Hong Kong authorities do not act, the waste could end up in the city's landfills if the importing countries reject the materials. The Environmental Protection Department had earlier said it will join hands with customs officials to continue to screen and inspect containers based on intelligence. Maryland authorities have given conditional approval for general public use for a coronavirus vaccine developed by the state-owned drug maker Sinopharm. It's the first such official backing for any of the Chinese-made vaccines currently in various stages of clinical trials. BBC's Warren Ball reports. China's pharmaceutical industry has been slower to develop approved vaccines for COVID-19 than some government-backed giants in Europe and the US, for example. But mass inoculation has been taking place in China for months, using vaccines at a late trial stage. In July, Beijing approved three different jabs for emergency use in key workers and other people at high risk. By the end of November, one and a half million doses of vaccine had been administered. The new, more infectious strain of COVID-19, first identified in Britain, has now been detected in California. Already there are reports of some hospitals having to turn ambulances away. 
Government COVID expert Dr Anthony Fauci spoke to California Governor Gavin Newsom during an online press conference. This was his response to concerns people in California may have about the new variant. The transmissibility of this mutant is more efficient than the transmissibility of the standard virus that we've been dealing with up to now. Namely, it just it's able to bind to the receptors on cells better and therefore is transmitted better. There's no indication at all that it increases the virulence. And by virulence, I mean the ability to make you sick or kill you. It doesn't seem to make it more strong in that regard. In addition, it doesn't seem to evade the protection that's afforded by the antibodies that are induced by vaccines. The father of Britain's Prime Minister Boris Johnson says he is applying for French citizenship now that Britain has severed its ties with the European Union. Speaking French, 80-year-old Stanley Johnson told the Luxembourg-based broadcaster RTL that it was a question of reclaiming a nationality that he had always considered to be his by birth. He said his mother was born in France to a French mother. He added that he would always be European and that having ties with the EU was important. He voted remain in the Brexit referendum in 2016. The Vatican says Pope Francis will not be able to lead his usual New Year's Eve and New Year's Day services because of a painful bout of sciatica. It's the first time in years that health problems have forced the Pope, who is 84, to miss such events. The Vatican says sciatica causes him fierce pain in one leg condition can sometimes be seen to affect the Pope's walking. China says it has never denied permission for two coal-carrying ships with Indian sailors on board from entering its ports. The vessels have fallen foul of China's embargo on imports of Australian coal. BBC's Ambarasan Etirajan is in Delhi. A Chinese denial follows months of diplomatic wrangling involving China, India and Australia. The ships, with about a quarter of a million tons of Australian coal, have been waiting outside Jintang and Kaufidian ports, one of them since June. Chinese officials initially cited the pandemic restrictions as a reason for not allowing the 39 Indian sailors to disembark. All this happening amid a trade war between Beijing and Canberra. China says that two ships can move to a different port, but that involves financial loss for the freight handlers. Factory activity on the mainland has expanded at a slow pace as the country leads a pack of major economies emerging from the coronavirus slump. The official Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index fell to 51.9 in December from 52.1 a month ago, remaining above the 50-point mark that separates growth from contraction. Analysts had expected it to fall slightly to 52 and the economy is expected to expand around 2% for the full year, the weakest in more than three decades, but still much stronger than other major economies struggling to contain new COVID infections. Sport and history was made when Becky Hammond became the first woman to direct an NBA team. She took over from Spurs head coach Greg Popovich, who was ejected in the first half. San Antonio ended up 121-107 losers to the Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron James marked his 36th birthday with another milestone, scoring a double digits for a 1,000th straight game. Reminder of our top stories tonight, pro-democracy media tycoon Jimmy Lai is back in custody after Hong Kong's top court cancelled his bail. China detects its first imported case of the highly infectious British variant of COVID-19 and President Xi delivers his New Year address, praising the economy and the fight against the pandemic. The new Smart THK. It's time now to get stories covered in this evening's user app programme. 
Hong Kong today reported 68 new COVID cases, up from 54 yesterday. Is this part of a rebound in infections? That's a question put to an infectious diseases expert, Leung Chi Chu, by RTHK's Henry Evans. I think this is a rebound, but uh, we have yet to see the full extent of the possible rebound uh, in the coming two weeks uh, because uh, there have been uh, quite a lot of people gathering either uh, in uh, shopping malls or in parks or having parties uh, at home and uh, during the Christmas and uh, I hope I think uh, there will not be too many people gathering uh, uh, yes. today and tomorrow and with people gathering there's of course an increased risk of transmission of COVID-19 and we still have quite a lot of infectious source within our community we anticipate there will be a rebound uh, in the coming two weeks but hopefully uh, with uh, uh, the increased uh, testing, uh, we may be able to contain this rebound. Uh, but we need to use uh, a few more weeks, I think, uh, to uh, to control it. And it will take even longer time for us uh, to achieve a zero transmission uh, status uh, within Hong Kong. So you're still expecting a holidays cluster? Yes, uh, uh, because... Uh, Basically, this is a disease transmitting from uh, man to man, and uh, there's no reason uh, to expect an uh, absence of uh, further transmission with the degree of people clustering uh, in various places uh, during the holidays. Now, just now, the health officials are also reporting a local patient appears to have contracted the mutated strain of COVID found in South Africa. Is that a cause for concern? Uh, luckily, uh, we might not have too many people coming back uh, from Africa, South Africa. And uh, this particular case uh, was uh, found uh, on the 12th day while he was under quarantine. Uh, the risk of transmission uh, to the community may be relatively low. I hope that uh, we won't have any uh, uh, outbreak, I think, uh, in the quarantine hotels. And uh, if there's nothing uh, during that period of quarantine, uh, they may not pose uh, too much uh, risk uh, at the moment. Now for a look back at 2020, how would you rate Hong Kong's performance in fighting coronavirus? I think it is uh, it's medium. Uh, we are performing much better than many of the European cities and uh, probably better than uh, what happened in the United States. But we may compare less favorably uh, with uh, other areas uh, in Greater China region. And uh, I hope that I think uh, in the coming year, uh, with the introduction of vaccine and with the continuation of uh, our control measures, Especially, I think the increased testing capacity, uh, we should be able to uh, contain uh, the virus spread in Hong Kong within uh, the next uh, few months. And now for the conclusion to our series of features, looking back at the key events that have shaped Hong Kong this year. We started, of course, with the coronavirus pandemic and how it has transformed our lives and devastated the economy. Then we turn to the government's quest to regain control after the anarchic turmoil that gripped the city in 2019.
But we end with one event that may prove to have the most lasting impact on Hong Kong, the imposition of the national security law. And while Beijing calls the legislation a long overdue birthday present to restore order to its SAR, critics say it's nothing short of the death of one country, two systems. Francis Sitt has this report. National security legislation. It's the constitutional responsibility. Constitutional duty. For 23 years, Hong Kong has failed to fulfill its obligation under Article 23 of the Basic Law. The government tried, but failed in 2003. And after Hong Kong erupted in paroxysm of violence and rage last year, Beijing decided enough was enough. Horrified by open calls for independence and naked hostility towards the communist leadership, the National People's Congress took matters into its own hands. A resolution to introduce national security laws to Hong Kong by fiat suddenly appeared on the agenda of its annual meeting in May. No draft was released, no public consultations were held. The laws were drawn up in such secrecy, not even the chief executive knew the full details, days before the legislation came into force. We have not uh, uh, seen the complete details of the uh, proposed legislation. What was publicly known at the time, that mainland agents would be stationed in Hong Kong and the CE would select special judges to hear national security cases, was enough to prompt pro-democracy politicians like then-lawmaker Dennis Kwok to sound the death knell for the SAR. This is the end of Hong Kong. This is the end of one country, two system. Make no mistake about it. The law was fast-tracked by Beijing, and on June the 30th, just ahead of the 23rd anniversary of the handover, the national security law was approved and put into force. State officials called it a birthday gift for the city, but the thousands of people who marched the next day in spite of a protest ban likened it to a second handover, saying Hong Kong had officially transformed into just another Chinese city. Police made a number of arrests under the brand new law that very day including a 23-year-old motorcyclist accused of riding his bike into a group of police while allegedly carrying a flag bearing the popular protest slogan, Liberate Hong Kong, Revolution of Our Times. The new law bans secession, subversion, terrorism, including with foreign forces. That means advocating independence, causing serious interference, obstruction or damage to state organs, arson, using explosives or damaging public transport and utilities to threaten authorities, and pushing for sanctions against the Chinese and SAR governments. Imposing sanction legislation like Magnitsky Act to discourage China are all national security offences punishable by life in prison. Those convicted would be barred from taking part in elections or holding public office and those implicated in the most serious cases deemed to present grave threats to national security could be sent to the mainland for trial under mainland law. 
Critics balked at the potential for abuse, warning the law is too broad, too vague, and could create speech crimes that would impinge on fundamental rights. Here's former legal sector lawmaker Dennis Kwok. The four offenses are so fake and ill-defined. People just simply don't know where the boundaries are. The national security law is not really about national security. It's about silencing political opposition. Mainland and local officials, including the CE, repeatedly gave assurances that such worries were misplaced. People of Hong Kong, they should be able to continue to enjoy the freedom of speech, freedom of press, of publications, protests, assembly, and so on and so on. But under the new law, the freedom to express views apparently ends whenever the notion of independence comes into play. The government says the main slogan of last year's protests Liberate Hong Kong, the revolution of Hong Kong connotes separatism or subversion and may therefore fall afoul of the law. The courts have yet to affirm this, but the police have been cracking down whenever the slogan is chanted, including at a protest at Chinese University on graduation day last month. Eight people were arrested, three on national security charges. What people say or write can now also land them in legal trouble. The most prominent democracy activist arrested under the new law so far, media tycoon Jimmy Lai, has been accused of colluding with foreign forces over comments he allegedly made in media interviews and on Twitter. Another prominent activist, Agnes Chow, is also accused of collusion. Others were also charged over the words. 19-year-old student activist Tony Chong is accused of secession over social media posts he made. Many saw the writing on the wall. Political groups like Demosisto and Student Localism either disbanded completely or halted local operations. Individuals worried about prosecution under the new law fled Hong Kong. I've been followed by cars, my family has been followed by stalkers, and I have nine charges in total. It's more than enough to put me to jail for at least years. The people in Hong Kong can't speak anymore, so I have to speak for Hong Kong, be the voice. Former legislator Ted Ho jumped bail to flee. After convincing the court he was only going to Denmark to attend non-existent climate talks. Two other former lawmakers, Nathan Law and Sixtus Leung, also chose self-exile, as did a number of suspects who were facing protest-related charges. Twelve young Hong Kongers were picked up by the mainland Coast Guard in August and accused of illegally crossing the sea border. They were thought to have been trying to flee to Taiwan on a speedboat. All of them were facing protest-related charges, and one, a security law violation. It took over four months for a trial to be held, with the defendants represented by lawyers appointed by mainland authorities, not by their families. Ten of them were given prison terms of between seven months and three years, while two minors were handed over to Hong Kong police. We stand with the Hong Kong 12. Save the 12. Save the 12. Save the 12. Save, Save the 12. Hong 12 courageous Hong Kongers. America stands with them. The national security law also put Hong Kong front and center of a bitter row between China and the United States. 
The Trump administration also stripped Hong Kong of his special trading status with the U.S. No special privileges, no special economic treatment, and no export of sensitive technologies. Hong Kong will now be treated the same as mainland China. And started requiring Hong Kong-made goods to be labeled as being made in China instead. And the government has decided to suspend the extradition treaty immediately. It has taken steps to suspend our extradition agreement. The U.S. also suspended its extradition treaty with the SAR, a move soon followed by many of its allies. Hong Kong started the year having extradition treaties with 20 countries, but ended 2020 with half that. We are creating immigration pathways for those living in Hong Kong. BNO's five years limited leave to remain. Foreign countries started accepting asylum requests and offering lifeboat visa and immigration schemes, while others ready incentives to lure local talent and businesses their way. But the government brushed all these aside, condemning office of abode for Hong Kongers as deplorable and hypocritical interference in local affairs. Some of the foreign governments have been adopting blatant double standards. And the chief executive said the Western narrative of the national security law as a draconian curtailing of fundamental freedoms is completely wrong. We have now stability under the national security law and with a lot of policy directions that have the blessing of the Central People's Government for Hong Kong to play a more active role in the national development. For better or for worse, there's no doubt that the national security law marks a historic turning point for Hong Kong. Its full impact has yet to be made clear. The courts are still dealing with the first prosecutions under the law. But until fundamental questions, such as its effect on dissent and personal freedoms, are definitively answered, the concerns over the law, both here and around the world, are sure to remain. Those stories are part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. is Ring In 21 on RTHK Radio 3. Celebration time. Happy Are You Ready? Radio 3. Welcome to Ring In 21. Live now from Hong Kong. The best tracks for your New Year exclusively on Happy New Year. Ring In 21 with Peter Lewis. Call me what you wanna, I'll be what you wanna I've been here a thousand times Hey, hey, falling for another I don't even bother, I could do it all my life So tell me if you wanna Cause I got this feeling I wanna hear you say it Cause I can't believe it With every touch of you It's like I started dreaming Cause heaven's not that far away and I'll be singing la 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 You're breaking me la 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 You're breaking me la 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 You're breaking me la 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 I'm just right here dancing around to the rhythm 
on New Year's Eve with Ringing 21. It's just around about 27 minutes to go to 2021 in Hong Kong. And I'm here until two in the morning with seven decades of dance tracks to welcome in the new year with you. We're live, so you can send in any messages or dedications to anyone you like by texting 6393-5925. Emailing lewisp at rthk.hk. I'm on Facebook, Peter Lewis on RTHK Radio 3. And on Twitter, at MoneyTalkR3. This is Ringing 21 on RTHK Radio 3. Oh, you know. 